0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today my guest is reporter, Brooke Lee Hahn, who's going to discuss the real estate stories she's covering, including the latest on the relocation trend, what's happening in unlikely hot housing markets like Columbus, and the doxing saga of Michael Arrington's mansion. Before we dive in though, here's a word
1: from our sponsor. Now more than ever, it's important to partner with a subservicer who is compliant. TMS operates under a culture of compliance, one that follows all investor and regulatory guidelines 24-7, 365. They not only put the customer first, they do what is right. It's a way of doing business that has earned special praise from Fannie Mae, Ginnie Mae, and many state regulators. Partner with a subservicer who makes compliance a priority. Go to subservicing.themoneysource.com.
0: We're ready to start our discussion. So, Brooklyn, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. So glad uh, to have you back and really interesting stories. So much going on in the real estate world. Um, and I'd like to tell our audience, you know, these, the stories that Brooklyn covers, they might appear in housingwire.com or they might be on realtrends.com. So Realtrends is a sister site and it's really more focused towards those, uh, towards real estate agents or those working in brokerages, whereas housing wire is really, um, more real estate as it affects the mortgage industry. Uh, but we, for both. We, we talk about all things housing, and uh, it's a global newsroom. So um, both of those places are, are places people can find her articles. And the first article I want to talk about is your coverage of a trend we first saw take off during 2020 due to the pandemic. And that's homebuyers looking to relocate, specifically back to their hometowns. You wrote about a Redfin report tracking that. What did you find there?
1: Yeah, so last week, um, Redfin published a report uh, about interest in relocation. And the report found that uh, interest in relocation had risen uh, during the fourth quarter of 2021 to Really close to the pandemic high, um, which was set in the first quarter of 2021. So, um, the third in the fourth quarter, sorry, of last year, 31.2 percent of Redfin users uh, look to move away from their current metropolitan area, Um, and this is just. 0.3 0.3 percentage points below the all-time high of 31.5 percent set during uh, quarter one of 2021. So, well, and I know we were really wondering whether that relocation trend would hold. You know, in the
0: in the midst of 2020, when people were looking to get out of cities, looking to to go to other places, remote work, the, all the talk was like, is this is this just a passing thing? Or are we going to see it stick?
1: Yeah, so that's definitely something that um, has been a big trend uh, across a lot of market profiles and things that I've covered this year. You know, the pre pandemic high that um, Redfin had recorded was 26.3% of users looking to relocate to a different metropolitan area. And that was recorded in the fourth quarter of 2019. So that was really kind of right before the onset of the pandemic. So, you know, perhaps more people um, just generally speaking would be looking to relocate um, even without the pandemic. But I definitely think um, the availability and flexibility of work from home and remote work has allowed people to kind of explore where they want to live and really Think less about moving somewhere for a job and more moving somewhere for the amenities, um, maybe the cost of living or, you know, being close to family and friends. So what were some of the cities that are
0: most likely people are most likely to relocate to? And what are some of the cities that people are
1: fleeing in droves seemingly? Um so the hottest metros for um based on net inflow or the number of redfin.com home searchers looking to move into the area as compo- as compared to the number looking to leave were Miami, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Sacramento and Tampa. So definitely places in the sun belts with great climates um I'm in southern New Hampshire. We got about 16 inches of snow this past weekend, and I definitely oh, wow. would love to be in Phoenix or Miami right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no doubt many people feel that way after that giant uh, dumping of snow you all got on the East Coast, man. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Sacramento was something that came up early on as one of the, um, cities that people were going to. I remember in 2020, we did, we did a story there and, um, it's amazing that that's still one of the biggest places.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's location in California, you know, close to the Bay area, but also in an area that's more affordable than, you know, San Francisco, um, makes it really attractive to people who, you know, are looking for a little bit of more affordability while staying in California and perhaps staying close to their family and friends who are in the Bay Area. But um, San Francisco was one of the metros um, where home buyers were looking to move away from during the fourth quarter of 2021. Um, the other top four are Los Angeles, New York, Washington, D.C., and Seattle. So, definitely some pricier um, metros. And, you know, I think people are definitely looking for more affordability while, you know, if they are moving from L.A. or San Francisco, looking for a similar climate as well really interesting i i was
0: surprised that austin wasn't on the list of uh most you know most relocated to you know here in texas it feels like the biggest story that we hear over and over again i have family in austin it's it's a place i'm very familiar with and it just feels like everyone in the world is moving to austin so i can only imagine if that's not on the list how other people in those other places feel it's just a huge influx and and a lot of tech influx seemingly
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm, you know, there have been a lot of, um, companies, especially moving to the Austin area and that's, that's definitely driven relocations there for sure.
0: You know, you've written several stories about unlikely hot markets, including Rochester, New York, um, as well as your most recent one on Columbus, Ohio, you know, how much of that, um, is a relocation trend? What, you know, what are you seeing and what did you see in both of those?
1: So in both of those metros um while there are some first time home buyers kind of driving demand and increasing demand because across the country rents are increasing and so a lot of people have realized with mortgage rates so low that you know, maybe their monthly mortgage payment could be less than what they're paying in rent. So that is definitely driving some first-time home buyers in Rochester and in Columbus. But we're also seeing what agents um, in both metros called boomerang buyers. So, you know, they either grew up in the area, went to, you know, one of the many universities in Rochester or, you know, in Columbus, went to Ohio State and really, you know, developed a love for the area. And so, you know. Because maybe they couldn't get a job right after graduation in, you know, Columbus or in Rochester, they ended up moving away, probably to a bigger city that was, you know, a pricier metro area to just live and you know afford a house eventually. Um, but with the onset of the pandemic and work from home flexibility, a lot of these. People are looking to move back, and um, you know, looking to be closer to family, looking to be closer to friends, and you know, also trying to reap the benefits of a lower cost of living, a lower median sales price on homes. Um, this, of course, is causing you know, home sale prices in the in both metros to rise um, rather rapidly. But at the same time, um, you know, it's still less than the median, you know, the median home sale price in the country.
0: So interesting, you know, uh, Columbus was really one of the city's hardest hit in the financial crisis. Um, you know, all those Rust Belt cities were, but we saw so many vacancies there. We saw they were just devastated by foreclosures in that area. And so really from just, it's just great to see a city kind of bounce back, see, see some more inflow back to a city like that and see what that could do for the city, because it was, you know, there were a decade of just trying to, trying to rebuild their housing market. So interesting that a pandemic is what it might take to, to drive more people there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there are a lot of great things that Columbus does have to offer, you know, it has some, Really big companies such as L Brands, uh, which is the parent company of like Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, Abercrombie & Fitch. Um, Nationwide Insurance is also located there, um, as well as I said, Ohio State University. Um, And they have, you know, some big city amenities like, you know, they have their own NHL team in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, They have a really great arts district in the short north. Um, You know, they have different cultural neighborhoods. And I mean, of course, football is big with Ohio State um, being in the city, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't have the same traffic and congestion that some of the other major metropolitan areas have.
0: You know, switching a little bit um, on topics, you covered uh, a story that was really interesting on um, a doxing saga is what we're calling it. You know, the doxing saga of Michael Arrington and, and the Miami mansion he bought. So, Michael Arrington is um, the founder of TechCrunch, right? Uh, he's a co-founder and a crypto investor, really very widely known. And um, he, went, he went public on Twitter talking about a specific agent uh, from Sotheby's International that that he felt like sort of outed, you know, publicized where it was that his family had bought um, their home. And uh, he felt like that put them into danger. So tell us a little bit about this very unusual story.
1: Yeah. So as you said, this was definitely an interesting and different story for me to cover. And it was actually kind of fun as well, um, just because it was so different in nature. But um, Last Tuesday, um, Michael Arrington went on Twitter, um, with a big Twitter thread that he called, um, a thread about doxing, how it harms people and how how it harmed my family. Um, and he, in this thread alleges that a one Sotheby's international realty agent, uh, Jessica Adams leaked information to the press, um, kind of not necessarily exposing the exact location of the home that he purchased. She was the listing agent on the home. Um, but she did, you know, reveal the neighborhood and the area and how much waterfront the property had and things like that, that could be used to identify, you know, the specific property that he had purchased. And originally she denied these claims, but after, um, she had quotes in several different articles about um, the purchase of this home. She eventually um, admitted to having gone to the press about it, um, and you know her reasoning, at least according to um, Michael Arrington's tweets, was that she wanted increased marketing exposure. Um, And I spoke with Michael Normand, who's the president of Beverly Hills-based brokerage, Normand and Associates Realtors. And, you know, he said that the more people that talk about the home sale, the better it is for your publicity. And typically it's, you know, very challenging to pinpoint exactly who leaked information about a home sale. And, you know clients high profile clients while they do you know really try to protect their privacy by you know purchasing the home through a blind trust um and things like that a lot of people see the paperwork for the home sale you know from the bankers to the escrow and title and companies um the real estate agents involved in the transaction and then you know you have the movers and the gardener and the people that come in to set up your cable and your internet, they people know that you live there. And in, he said it's not necessarily a question of if the location of your new home will be leaked, but when, because it's bound to happen. Um, so, you know, typically, or not typically, but at times, um, he said that agents will, you know, leak information to the press because it is good Publicity for them, um, and you know, typically the victims of these quote unquote doxings and the information leaks don't get too upset. Or if they do, they'll send you know a nasty letter or asking the agent to you know stop what they're doing and. Or they'll, you know, pursue legal action, but usually it's just a letter that kind of scares you into stopping. And as he said, there's usually more bark than bite. Um, but according to Errington's Twitter, um, he and his family have been forced to move out of their house because the security team could not find a way to make the home work with the information that was leaked. Um and that um, they are pursuing ongoing legal action.
0: Yeah. You know, I think one thing that struck me about the whole story was normally the term doxing is something that um, it's a pretty malicious action by people who want to expose the private information of somebody on the Internet, right? So on the Internet, um, maybe we know who you are, but we don't know all your details. And so to publish those on the Internet is usually... um, a pretty malicious action against that person, right? Maybe you don't agree with something they did. Maybe you're trying to get back at them. And then there might be retaliation from people who now know where you live. In this case, I've never seen it where, uh, you know, he's using that word doxing to what happened from, um, you know, someone exposed him to this. And and obviously the real estate agent did it. She did a, a video walkthrough of the home. Uh, but you know, again, it wasn't When I think of doxing, I think of for malicious purposes. I think in this way, it's just one of those business practices that real estate agents often do, which is, you know, here's this great, you know, it is for marketing purposes, right? I guess the the detail here is like, I would think that people who sell celebrity homes have a different code of. Of ethics about this because otherwise you're just not going to get very many celebrities who want who want you to represent them if you're not going to be very discreet um you reached out
1: to adams directly correct and and we got a response yes i did reach out to adams directly and um in errington's twitter thread he said that there was a um non-disclosure agreement in place which michael norman said was you know Normal practice when dealing with high profile clients and their home sale and purchase transactions. Um, but Adams told me that, um, you know, as the selling agent uh, or the listing agent on this home, that there was no um, confidentiality or no non disclosure agreement in place. So, um, according to her and what she said with that, She doesn't feel like she breached anything by, um, you know, doing the walkthrough on her Instagram and going to the press with the information. Be interesting to see, um, how this plays out. If, if,
0: uh, he follows up with that, um, action that he talked about with a a lawsuit If what comes of this. I also wonder if it's because he's a tech founder, as opposed to some of the celebrities who might be like a Hollywood person or whatever, you know, he, Um, the, he felt like security was one of the reasons they bought the house that's what he said in his Twitter feed. And then they felt like they had to move, um, they, they, that they had to relocate after it was public. So really interesting story there. We'll be watching to see what the follow-up is there. I think, you know, the takeaway for, for your regular agent is even if it's not a well-known person, right. Um, doing a walkthrough, maybe you need to be really careful about any sort of security features that, um that you show. So for instance, uh, he mentioned that he felt like the walkthrough showed where this, you know, maybe it was cameras or whatever, but showed the security features so that that would actually help someone to defeat those security features. So I, I wonder if agents are even thinking about that when they're trying to show off a house to its best
1: effect. For sure. And I mean, you know, security features could, you know, especially in this case have been a selling feature for the home. Um, so if, Someone, if you're trying to say that, you know, there are these great security features, um, yeah, maybe not showing them on your Instagram is the best choice.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Uh, lots of lessons I'm sure that we'll all learn from this one, but um, thanks for keeping us updated and thanks for the great coverage on just dif- different real estate markets and, and what we're seeing as trends. Thank you. We'll have you back on uh, regularly just to keep up with what's going on in real straight. But uh, in the meantime, Brooklyn, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com
1: forward slash membership.
0: Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.